Hello and welcome to another episode of Radio Oedipus, the podcast all about the culture of beer. And I'm your host, Danny Walker. Today's show is number eight. So far, we've had some great discussions diving into the world of beer, brewing, farming, music, culture, and also art. We are now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Keep up to date with all the shows by heading to our website, buddypurse.com forward slash radio. And on to today's show. I was joined by Bas Visser, the beer sommelier here at Udipus. My guest was Abel Yuka, a fermented snack maker known for his work at Funkhilder. We also discuss a beer by Cloudwater Bruco. I call Jens Van Hoek to find out what's in his fridge. And of course, there's the quiz. But for now, I hope you all enjoy the show. Okay, so hello and welcome to another episode of Radio Udipus. Happy to be joined by Bas Visser, the beer sommelier here at Udipus. How are you doing, Bas? Very good. Slightly tipsy and very happy. <laughs> All right, that's good. And we're also joined by Abel, who Abel is the co-founder of Funkhilda. They make tasty fermented snacks. But we'll discuss more about that when we get to the interview. Yeah. But right now we're going to talk about beer, as always. Going to start it off with some beer. And Bas has brought us, uh, what beer have you brought us today? Yeah, so um, I brought the beer, uh, My Poems Are Not Poems by uh, Cloudwater. And I saw it on their website and I was uh, I fell in love immediately. If you look to the bottle, p- please people Google this beer. I think it's super minimalistic, uh, it's yes. beautiful with yeah. a bit of a golden uh, uh, text on there. And it's a blended footer beer um, and... Um, they flavored it with chuckleberries um, and uh, some plums. And um, do we know what chuckleberries are? Yeah, uh, a good I question. Have yeah, no idea. I sorry, I, I, I didn't prepare that. Uh, yeah, I, I I didn't either. But let's have a look. But uh, I actually didn't know that they added uh, things. But I with normal food or beers, you already have this red fruit notes. Uh, if it's going towards a Flemish red. And I really hope that this beer is doing that as well. But uh, let's see. Ooh. It's a uh, 5.6%. So it's actually quite well, low and moderate. So a chuckleberry is a cross between three different fruit bushes, which all with a similar bush that produces like blackberries. Uh, and it's typically grown in early summer. All right. Yeah. So I think it's maybe some uh, cross breed of some summer berries. But yeah. Yeah. I can't see much more about it. Yeah, it's typical. It, only English farms are coming up. And I know okay. I know they're a Manchester brewery, so I can only hope that it's local chuckleberries to the Manchester area. I, I feel like uh, that fits. Uh, <laughs> yeah, fit. yeah. And it's a gold cap as well. It does look like a very prestigious bottle. It's beautiful. It's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, so yeah. I, I, I expect a lot from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but since Cloudwater is uh, super good in brewing beer, let's uh, see. Yeah, um, all right. Yeah. All right. Whoa. It's like, like a... Like a that pop. Was a, that was a different yeah. kind of yeah, pop a, than yeah. usual as well, right? Oh, it smells good. It already smells a little bit like a uh, Flemish bread. Well, I will not... Uh, let's just get some Let's get it in the glass. <laughs> nice. All right. Let's see if we get it, get that sound as well. Oh. <laughs> oh, beautiful color. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it's a bl- lovely like blood orangey red, deep red, I would say maybe. 
so food beers, what, what, uh, can we explain what they are a little bit? Yeah. So food, this is a blend of two food beers. So fooders, it's, it's actually a, uh, yeah, uh, please. Uh, it's a huge barrel. Um, and, uh, I think one of the biggest <coughs> European examples is, uh, uh Rodebach mm-hmm. and it's, all these huge barrels that are standing with the, 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 the open uh, side to the top mm. and it's, it's closed off, but that's where they uh, fill and uh, refill uh, them. And um, uh, they're so big because then you still have the advantages of a bit of, a, uh, of the oxygen that can come through the wood. You still have the microorganisms that are actually living in the wood, but you don't have this extreme uh, wood flavor because uh, relatively to the beer, there's... Not so much wood. Mm-hmm. Is uh, Oedipus considering uh, a fooder? Yeah, uh, but I'm not sure if it's coming or well, it, it is coming, but I don't know when and if Corona really? uh, uh, delayed wow. the whole things. But in the in the in the setup that we have for our barrel room, there is actually uh, room for a fooder. Wow. Yeah, but so uh, how, big, how big are they then? I don't know. It, well, I don't know exactly, but I would say about four or five meters in width. Wow. Well, maybe two, three, if you have a small yeah. one. Mm. Probably have, you have several sizes, I think. Typically like oak, are they? Yeah, I think yeah? so. Okay. No. Although I'm not 100% sure about yeah. that. I did some research and it says they are kind of typically more wine barrels. So they're aged oak wine barrels but i was i wasn't that was maybe more traditionally in wine usage yeah. so i wasn't sure and but i see the term a lot in beer yeah it's so i wasn't entirely sure do you know well I, I think you're right yeah okay yeah. it's super nice to stand next to it and to realize how big it is mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's like a tiny hobbit house like yeah yeah that's uh, actually very yeah. good uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I, I even saw one one with a with a small window uh, like a like a hobbit house. Really? Sweet. Yeah. You now you're ma- just making. No, things no, no. Up. I think it was a, a Driefontein. Uh, I think oh, it was super nice. I yeah. think some be- beer geeks would like pay to stay in one of these hobbit food houses, wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> like, that seems like, like that seems beer like geek, a beer geek getaway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In a new fooder. style tiny houses. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, once we're getting the farm, we should get some <laughs> some uh, yeah, for the people who don't cool. want to put up their tents. They can uh, get the fooders. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sleep in. <laughs> it's a super interesting aroma. Yeah, back to the beer. Yeah. Oh well, fooders beer. Yeah. yeah. So the red fruit is very apparent, but. I don't know if you agree with me, but there's a bit of a mint. I have this mint. Oh, maybe that's the chuckleberry, but a bit of a mint red fruit. On the vibe. nose. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I didn't mm. get one sip yet. Yeah. I really like that. And a bit of a chalk. Chalk Stepping candy and, and chalk kind of, yeah, herbal. I, I don't know. It's a nice, smooth in aroma. All right. Let's go to the sip. <laughs> So it's super sour. Yeah. yeah. It's like this uh, red candy, zure uh, matte. Mm. <laughs> but it is a bit chalky. I'm getting it like uh, stuck in my mouth a little bit. It's nice. The aroma is really sweet, but mm. yeah. I, 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 the berry aroma is, or sort of berry aroma is in there, but I uh, I think it's also first the first aroma that you get in is is really sweet and then mm-hmm. turns into a sour taste after. yeah i do like the the beer though. it's a yeah me too but i think the complexity is for me is in the aroma not in the flavor yeah or in yeah. the taste it's um and i think this it, 
Well, this with a pie or with something creamy like ice cream or with something chocolatey or... So something a bit more sweet you would pair it with. Yeah, or yeah. so that's why I'm going to now, but also some meaty things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe a duck. We yeah, already yeah, said, yeah. or, or uh, no, it should, uh, uh, Wiener Schnitzel. <laughs> but you have this cranberry yeah, sauce I, that you put on yeah, top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then this this could replace the cranberries. I think every like all like every sour beer is also good with like all the the crispy fatty kind of yeah. deep fried stuff that you can like uh, for instance a Wiener already schnitzel. going to uh, <laughs> no, no, deep fried no, stuff. No, <laughs> no, 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 not, not yet, not yet. But like a, I know a the Wiener schnitzel. Snack. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I could. Uh, uh, <laughs> do you know croquettes? <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, but seriously, like the Wiener Schnitzel is uh, it's 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 so fat normally, and uh, something that it's nice and sour and fresh cuts right through it. I think. Yeah, because it's quite tart and it is so kind of sour that it kind of I always think it cleans the palate a little bit. Yeah, this yeah. really refreshing nature to a lot of sour beers clean the palate yeah. quite extremely. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but definitely yeah, <laughs> right away in one layer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, but it's, uh, I think it's a good beer. Yeah, it kind of, it doesn't stick around. I'm trying to think of what the good terminology is, but like the mouthfeel, it just kind of rounds off quite quickly. No, you, you don't have so any flavor anymore? I still have this red mm, fruit. I still have it. I still have it maybe in my cheeks here. Yeah, but I I don't know. It kind of cuts off rounds quite nicely, I think, at the end. There's like a really nice finish to it. Yeah, there's no, uh, it's it's. It's not very funky in mm. the flavor that you have all these weird flavors, but I, I still have this really clean fruit flavor, mm. which I yeah. uh, like yeah, a lot. I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think it just, yeah. it's super dry, but really fruity as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man, this is a good summer beer. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, I did a bit more research on it. So the two fooded beers that it is a blend of, one is of chuckleberries and one is freshly harvest plums. Yeah. And then mm. they were blended for three months. Mm. So, uh, yeah, said light and fresh. And I think this is what a, cl- a quote from Cloudwalk, but it said, best paired with becoming still enough that birds and flying insects are not disturbed by your presence. How beautiful. How poignant. And it kind of suits the kind of vibe of the bottle. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, just, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's quite poetic. Let's see if people uh, really... Uh... <laughs> but yeah. yeah um, start doing this. Thanks to Bass for bringing that in. I must say that I also tried to do a bit of research and try and buy this beer so that Bass didn't have to uh, sacrifice his last bottle of this. But no, it's I, completely <laughs> sold out on their web shop. I bought I it for Oedipus. Uh, oh, great. So this was part of my Oedipus research. All right, so well, great, I, uh, great, for, great place to use yeah. it on the radio show. So exactly. Absolutely perfect. But yeah, um, this isn't a place for advertising, so I'm not going to tell you to go out and buy it because that might be impossible, especially you if should. you're here in the Netherlands. <laughs> you should try. <laughs> you, should, you should try and source this beer the best you can. Maybe contact <laughs> Cloudwater. They might be able to help you out. <laughs> All right. Okay, so that was the beer review. That was really good. Yeah, thanks, Enjoy that. I'm going to nurse this. Cheers. I think it's really, really good. But uh, let's move forward. So welcome, Abel. Really welcome. good to have you here, yeah, man. Yeah, thanks. Um, obviously, me and Bass are quite familiar with you. You have worked here at Oedipus. Um, Never met him. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we're all, we're all good friends here. So yeah, you started as a, you started as a chef, I know, before Oedipus. And then yeah. you also interned 
and you started off as an intern here at uh, Oedipus, and now you are a fermented snack maker. What, <laughs> like, what would you call your job? What, what would you call your job title? He's fermented now? himself. <laughs> no, I, I'm, 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 I'm slightly fermented, a bit sour and, and sweet at the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> put a little uh, better mix around me, and uh, it put me in a deep fryer. And uh, sounds like uh, you have a good snack. Lonely Hearts uh, <laughs> advert. No, no, no. But yeah, what would you say your job title is now? Job then? title, yeah, that's uh, snack developer, a funky snack developer, probably something like that. Yeah, yeah. that's good. I like that. Yeah, yeah, stick that on your LinkedIn. <laughs> 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 I have to update uh, update my LinkedIn, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, how has the experience you gained in your previous roles shaped your position now? You mean at Oedipus, like the um, oh, and you work as a chef beforehand? Yeah, 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 yeah. It, uh, so I worked as a chef in different restaurants uh, when I was studying still. And it was more of a side job, but it was always three or four days as a side job. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like long nights uh, working uh, in the kitchen. But I didn't uh, know that much about fermentation back then. It was uh, uh, more learning uh, different kitchens, different um, styles of cooking and I didn't know anything about fermentation uh, until I went to the school of hospitality in uh, like uh, in uh, Leeuwarden, mm -hmm. and uh, then I, I I started looking into beer and wine, and I I uh, got to know fermentation more, uh, and then I started like, maybe first steps in in combining those two, mm -hmm. like uh, with putting um, like making pickles or so, and. Uh, um, uh, fermenting um, like a few vegetables and uh, for for a menu or so, but it wasn't uh, playing a, a big role in my uh, cooking life then. Mm. But were you uh, home brewing before you started at Oedipus? Mm, yeah, just, just, uh, that was actually the reason why I uh, wanted to go uh, work for Oedipus. I was uh, and and do my internship at Oedipus because I when I came off um, when I uh, finished my school. Uh, in Leeuwarden, I came to Amsterdam for another study and um, I had to do the, in the internship and I already was homebrewing. But, you know, when you started home... a bit of a business thing in Amsterdam, right? Or Sorry? A business studies or what was it? Yeah, it was a, uh, a, a study of commerce. So Yeah, uh, so a bit like in this direction. It, it, it was yeah. definitely uh, like to start your own business and... Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, mm. I already knew I wanted someday to start my own business and yeah. knew like the, the the basics of it. So I started that, and also I really liked homebrewing. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I was just green, you know. I didn't know anything, uh, yeah. Uh, and I wanted to learn more. Yeah, so yeah. I was looking into all those breweries. Then, then there was there was a time that Amsterdam was just. Uh, like in the beginning of uh, getting all new breweries around. And I was uh, uh, looking what brewery do I like the most, what kind of brewery, what kind of people, and where do I um, uh, apply for an internship. So I ended up at Oedipus, of course, and uh, because I, uh, I compared a few and um, I really liked the style immediately and the beers and uh, the new tap room just opened up. Uh, yeah, so that was uh, all just focus or that, were, that came all together. So um, nice. And um, after my internship, the, I uh, got the opportunity to 
start brewing and to learn and uh, learn from Sander and uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that, that that became a bigger part uh, of my life. Uh, kind then. of grew and yeah. grew and grew from that. Yeah, but like just to go before you started uh, Oedipus, you were home brewing. But yeah, what sort what sort of stuff were you making? Uh, a lot of exploding bottles. No, yeah, no, 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 no. Like the real beginning, it was. Uh, yeah, I, of course. I, I didn't know about cleaning, you know, and I, I didn't know, or I didn't took uh, real good care of the cleaning, for instance, the bottles or the whole process. But you, after a few times, you learn that, and you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you wake up at night, exploding. You hear exploding bottles, and you think, ah, oh, shit. Okay, this is this this went wrong. Okay, I have someone's to... breaking into my house. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, what is the neighbor doing? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, so, had, I had this. I was really scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the whole fridge uh, is the next day. It's probably uh, sticky, and uh, if uh, and you have to clean it, of course. So you learn from that, and uh, uh, and I had a nice basement where I can uh, where I could. Uh, brew in winter and a garden where I could brew in summer. So, mm-hmm. uh, and like time, time learns. Uh, time will uh, give you, uh, or you will learn from from doing mistakes. it in your yeah mistakes. And, yeah. Was, so, it, was it mainly like hoppy stuff, or were you kind of blending and like what was you? I was wondering what your um, style kind of style was before you started everything. You know, were you doing IPAs? Were you going for more? Uh, yeah, like uh, I tried to make a a good double, double okay. but, and a triple, but classic. Uh, a classic, yeah. uh, classic styles in the beginning, and then uh, like uh, made a few uh, pilsners, not that good, but uh, yeah. it was uh, for homebrewing. Yeah, it was difficult, right? Yeah, it was yeah. it was difficult. Yeah. yeah, but every time, like I was also like selling a little bit to uh, uh, to a few people and uh, and then I bought like a new fridge and then uh, yeah. a, a climate controlled uh, room uh, uh, chamber or, like uh, build it in the fridge and uh, every time I, I expanded it a little so made it a b- bit better every time nice okay cool so that was a uh, yeah what uh, was the craziest kind of homebrew you, you attempted um, uh, so I made, uh, I think with bus actually, I think it was, um, uh, I made a bacon uh, beer, uh, yeah, that was I remember remember this. Sm- smo- I remember smoky, uh, from, uh, smoky malt from, uh, Weiermann and, uh, um, I, uh, bought some really good bacon, um, from, uh, the market, local market on the uh, Wester Park. Mm-hmm. And so I cooked up the bacon. I let it cool down in the fridge and uh, so it separated all the, the fat separated on top and I could easily filter the liquid, uh, smoky uh, bacon liquid from the jar and then... You put it in vodka, right? And put it in vodka because yeah. that separates better. And uh, and then added it later uh, when we were, um, uh, I think, part uh, yeah, partly in the uh, fermentation and... Yeah, uh, boiled it again, cooled it down, and and uh, put it in the fermentation vessel. Mm-hmm. That was a r- really weird tasting beer. Uh. <laughs> well, but the flavor I think was quite good. The flavor was good, but uh, it, it was smoky. It was a bit baconish. But yeah. if you go to Orslenkela, you also have this yeah, yeah, bacon yeah. flavor quite and quite overpowering f- uh, flavor. So if you manage to f- make some, I don't think it was that overpowering as well. I no, think it was yeah. If you manage to get it quite balanced. Yeah. I'm not a professional, but I would say that's quite a good thing. Right? Uh, the, in the end, like the the first month, maybe I didn't like liked it so much because it was too 
to out there. But uh, after those, uh, after the first month, and uh, I, I remember opening up a bottle after uh, maybe three months, and I was uh, happily surprised with the result. And uh, I thought, like, okay, ah, this is actually quite a good beer. When did you start? like taking fermenting food a bit more seriously at home i think maybe about two years ago now yeah maybe okay. two or three years ago so there was a uh, when there were like when kimchi or uh when there was more uh fermented vegetables available in the supermarket yeah uh and uh, more available uh like anywhere then uh i started buying it and out of, out of interest one because I didn't know ex exactly all those new fermented stuff, right. what it was and how it would taste. And I was just curious. And uh, and then I also thought like, hey, how hard can it be? You know, I'm, I, <laughs> I, I was a chef and I, I, I could make uh, a lot of things. And uh, this was an, a new area for me. So uh, then I just started with lactic fermented vegetables and uh, uh, yeah, that, that area, more that direction. So with the, with the home brewing and with the kind of home fermenting, at what point did you start to take it more seriously or to the next level? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, like the, um, um, I think really seriously uh, when um, uh, like a, yeah. Noma book came out. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, like that, that was, for me, it was sort of like, oh, there's so much to learn and there's so much out there. It's a big uh, book. It, it's a big book, definitely. And it's the bible it's a bible for yeah fermentation bible yeah definitely yeah it's uh it's 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 uh, um Thanks, it's, it's a maybe 10 percent of what you can really uh do with all the styles of fermentation and all the different um things that you can do with fermentation but it's just to um give you the opportunity to start they they for every cook or every uh, everyone that's interested, they give you sort of um, the lines. They <laughs> <laughs> cheers. Just just to, just to interrupt, Apple, <laughs> while while uh, while he's starting to explain the, the beauties of Noma, <laughs> Bass is uh, attempting to pour us all a drink, and you're just hearing that those sounds is what Bass is trying to capture the opening of yeah, bottles. Sorry, so. but he's done it very just well. No, no, you also poured a glass for me, so uh, cheers. Yeah, so. cheers. So, Pro, fresh, uh, fresh IPA. Sorry. Mm. Continue. So they line out every possibility and every instrument you need for uh, to do it yourself, and um, uh, that was like exactly what I wanted, exactly what I needed. <laughs> yeah. uh, some questions they uh, that I had uh, and already looked up but couldn't find an answer on the internet, they wrote it down. So yeah. I was like, uh, I was so happy. I uh, yeah, I pre-ordered the book and uh, waited like. Like a child for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. It is a little bit like uh, finding the cheat codes to a video game, isn't yeah, it? Like, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very good one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, mm. it, is, it is a really, really good book. They are definitely the, the forerunners of the fermentation. Um, so then Funkhilde developed, I guess, not long after that. Uh, yeah, yes. I think it was, yeah, it was about maybe a, a half a year uh, later than uh, than the book, or when I seriously got into fermentation, uh, um, not only uh, on in beer but also in uh, other uh, directions. And it was actually on the at the lunch table at Oidipus where where uh, where it all started. The mm. it started with the 
a croquette battle at the at the lunch table. Ah, and yes. and at the same time, Which Bob I never participated. No, you, you were always out. <laughs> yeah, always no. on the on the on the road. Stupid sales. selling beer. Sell, 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 sell. Well, well, we would just eat, eat, eating, uh, eat, eat, eat. Croquettes, croquettes. Actually, croquettes. I did the same, but I was just not there. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Yeah, that was. The, I think the the at the same time, uh, the competition started. Um, Bob was at um, my companion uh, at Fungilde. He was at um, in Korea, uh, Korea, and uh, uh, he uh, he was going to the Kimchi Museum, and uh, he, museum. <laughs> yeah. So uh, and he was talking about kimchi. I was talking about kimchi to make a croquette, and and then we were like floating away uh, in conversations and talking about this crazy croquette idea. Um, and uh, that was that. That was actually when when it all started uh, uh, at home, making enormous amounts of kimchi. And you know, it, <laughs> there's a, a specific smell in uh, in uh, in the kimchi. Uh, yeah, so, I know. Yeah. It's, uh, it's it's it's, uh, it's uh, there's a lot of garlic and onion and uh, <laughs> and gojujang. Uh, it doesn't matter how well you package that yeah. uh, kimchi; it still takes over your fridge. I find smell wise. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so I was living in a small house with a good friend of mine, and uh, there was a, uh, there was a certain moment that he also just said like, uh, "Yeah, maybe uh, it's a, a good moment to and uh, a good moment to see if you can ferment it somewhere else." And uh, <laughs> so some, polite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Dion. Oh, was the, it Dion? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So the we we got the opportunity to um uh go to Kato house uh, cinema yeah. where bob and i also worked and and they have a prep kitchen and so that was already a a, a big you step could for use us that. yeah yeah so wow. that's where we started uh, maybe three or four months and uh pops to Kato house yeah definitely and uh we got the opportunity to 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 roll our croquettes there to make uh uh, the the kimchi paste and uh, uh, and and also the kimchi itself and and also uh, to exchange it for the space for croquettes so they got croquettes and uh, and we got space to work so it was a really good good, uh, good nice deal yeah. can you just explain what funk hilda means funk is a reference to uh, fermentation the smell of fermentation so if you that's that's also uh, the for instance when my uh, roommate back then said like uh, this smell I can I can't really live uh, live anymore <laughs> in it so <laughs> please do it somewhere else uh, this is also a funky smell and uh, almost every like fermentation has a sort of funky smell to it and um, personally I really like it uh, almost all of it not not all but Almost. Not too funky. <laughs> <laughs> like those uh, thousand year rotten eggs. I there, there's some uh, something step, definitely step wrong. Too far, uh, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> so um, that's the one part. So there's almost in every of our products there's there's something fermented in there, and uh, that's because something we funky. Uh, exactly, and that's because we really like the funkiness, um, and um, the gilde is the guild is mere more like. Uh, sharing, um, sharing, and um, building up relations with 
specialist. For instance, we started working with, uh, we started making the kimchi ourselves and learn about it and um, also uh, know how it works. But after, like now when we're making more and more croquettes, we started working with uh, Onami Kimchi, Alex from uh, Onami Kimchi, and he's now making our uh, our kimchi at uh, Kitchen Republic. That's mm-hmm. the production kitchen that we work at. And actually, that that's uh, something that we really like because we don't have to know everything from every uh, style fermentation because we exchange knowledge with those uh, specialists and then uh, they help us and we help them in uh, in that kind of way. So it's really a partner and community-based way of making products. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. So that's uh, that's really what we try to do as much as we can, but uh, sometimes it's uh, uh, yeah, a struggle to uh, find the right supplier with the right price because yeah, some... It's no, but I can also imagine that it's slowly starting up, right? It's yeah, like the I beginning. You sh- yeah. you, and it's also you should do it quite carefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is a really good relation that we have with, for instance, uh, Alex from uh, Onami Kimchi. Um, uh, and also making like new new kinds of um, uh, kimchi, but also he's using gojujan, like the, um, the paste for... Uh, like the chili paste, fermented chili paste for the kimchi. And now we are going to make, uh, try to make uh, um, this chili paste for him. So this is working both ways. So in the end, we uh, in the beginning, we make the chili paste that he's going to use on his cabbage. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we get the cabbage that's fermented. We get it back from him to use in our croquettes. Mm-hmm. Super nice. Yeah. Like yeah. this exchange of knowledge and products and flavors. Yeah. 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 What I, what I find is really interesting because that also echoes a little bit about what you were saying with the Noma book, right? Because mm. I know that, what, sorry, what's his name? David Zilber, is it? Uh, yeah. yeah, something. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, René Redzepi. Yeah. yeah, and his... Uh, what, what? René Redzepi? Yeah. That, that's, that's a chef, right? Yeah, and then... Uh, if, uh, David Zilber is the, is, is is the, the fermenting yeah. uh, He's the fermenter freak. part of yeah, Noma. Exactly. I, know, yeah. I know that he labels himself as an unconventional chef. And yeah. I just think what <laughs> you're saying is... That was kind of the start of a, a new wave of kind of unconventional chefs that we've certainly see, seen here in Amsterdam. Mm. And uh, that kind of also echoes with what you s- say with Hilda, this kind of community of uh, new chefs. Yeah. And we've also seen that on kind of the guests that we've had on the previous uh, podcast, I guess, with uh, Alina and Alicia from last week, the bakers, they would also kind of fit under their unconventional chef kind of racket. Yeah. I, th- I just think it kind of echoes a little bit there. That, that's all. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, but so you're known, your first product and what I know you best for is the kimchi croquette. Yeah, right? that's true. Yeah. Uh, can you explain how to make a croquette? <laughs> of course. <laughs> the we, secret. Uh, I, 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 yeah, without uh, yeah. Revo- revealing <laughs> the, yeah, the yeah, secret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is the only uh, episode that is charged for people to get the secret. <laughs> <laughs> pay about 50 euros to get this. Uh, <laughs> we just bleep it out. <laughs> So we start off with the with the roux, and that's a, a base of uh, flour and um, butter. And um, it's really important with making croquettes that the the butter that you use uh, is gonna be uh, hitting 110 degrees, 
um, before you add the flour. It's that's for the binding in the end. So before you uh, add the flour, like get it to 110 degrees. Uh, so if you have that uh, covered, then so just uh, measure it and then add the flour. Um, in every kind of or almost every croquette, there's uh, some stock uh, in there. So uh, a bouillon, uh, as we, uh, we call, call it. it yeah. And um, we use uh, our specialized uh, kimchi uh, stock for it. Mm-hmm. Ah, there's uh, still a secret. <laughs> <laughs> so this roux, this roux is a combination of stock and uh, whatever you want to put in there, right? Yeah, you, it's still vegetarian, right? It's our croquettes are a vegetarian, yeah. And uh, stock uh, can be a vegetarian, a, a vegetable stock, or yeah. Uh, I I definitely not gonna say any uh, no, details. No no. <laughs> no, no, no! Don't reveal like how no, you no, make no. kimchi or what's in your or what's that, in your stock. That's for an extra subscription of twenty five euros. The reason, <laughs> I, the reason I want the reason I want you to explain is just because um, there may be people. Like myself, that aren't haven't been brought up in a Dutch culture, so I don't, I didn't fully know what a croquette was when I first moved here. Ah, so that's, yeah, okay, that's, that's that's good to know. So the like the 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 step uh, after that is that you add the cold liquid. So the, if if this if you're gonna add stock, then it's important that that it is cold liquid. Okay. Also for the binding, otherwise it won't bind that well after uh, you add all the all the other ingredients. So uh, whatever croquette you're making, flour, butter, uh, stock, added cold uh, liquid and um, uh, add the flavor that you like. It can be veal, it can be uh, uh, vegetables, that can be any, anything that you like. Um, and the traditional way is to uh, get like a two-way crust. So it's a really fine uh, so, oh, wait, first, I, I'm going too quick. I'm going into <laughs> no, it. No, no, it's good. You have the roux. So you end up with the roux that, with all the flavors that you like. You put it in, you put it in the, um, the, the fridge overnight and we call it making family. Uh, <laughs> the, all the flavors should, should combine and should um, uh, like marinate. Like slow, slowly yeah. marinate. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, making family overnight, uh, at least one night or at least like um, uh, 16 hours, I think it is. Okay. Uh, we we do it maybe uh, double that, so one and a half day almost at least because then the flavors, uh, you you taste the flavors better after it. So um, a lot of croquette makers use gelatin or some other uh, thickener to get a really thick roux and easy to to roll the the roux to make um, a shape of of the croquette that you like or a bit of ball or mm-hmm. anything that you like. Uh, we like to make the snack snack croquette. It's a s- smaller. It's a bit bigger than a bitter ball, <laughs> and it's a, a bit smaller than a croquette. Like a fun size croquette. Exactly, yeah. because we think also it is really important that the the shape or the shape of a of, of a snack is really important, but also the the amount of bites that you take so a bitter ball is most of the time I like this so much <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. she's so happy to listen to the science of this snack <laughs> because the uh, the bitter ball most of the time is like hapslik mm. weg it's it's gone before you know it yeah and uh, like a snack croquette you take one bite uh, you you have like three small bites or uh, or two big bites 
And the, most of the time people take three bites and the first time they experience kimchi or kimchi flavor, it's a bit more sour, of course. In a croquette, they, they have like, hmm, I don't know if I like this. This is something new. This is something I have to uh, get used to. The second bite they take like, huh. This is actually quite nice. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't. Know. It is. <laughs> I love it. And, uh, and the third bite is like, oh, okay, I want more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I want more of this stuff. Yeah, this is maybe eighty so percent. No, 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 no. So you, so you make them. I think this how is many, wonderful. How many bites should we have of your? Uh, have you made them two bites or three bites size wise? I make them three bite size. Okay. Three yeah. small bites. Okay, three small yeah. bites. So it's like one is like, I'm not sure. Two is, I think this is pretty getting good. It, getting there. Getting there. Yeah. And three is like, I'm going to order some more. Yeah, yeah exactly. Nice. That, that, that's the, the, the way uh, we uh, thought of uh, making this croquette. So the, the, the thought behind it. And um, of course, you can uh, put it on a sandwich uh, after you had uh, your first uh, croquette and you like it and you, you, you know it's going to be good on a sandwich anyway, you know, like mm -hmm. a, a fluffy little uh, white bread sandwich. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, where did we get to in the production process? You, <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, so, 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 like I, so then, I think you were talking about bites? the crust and, yeah, the, so and you were like... Yeah, exactly. So, so uh, we were hand-rolling uh, the... Uh, we were hand-rolling the croquettes, I think. You were Ooh. talking about the crust and the hand-rolling. <laughs> Yeah, so after uh, the roux is uh, settled and uh, nice and firm, you um, shape the roux as you want. Mm -hmm. And then this is where we ended uh, up in uh, the, the three bite steps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so we uh, roll it first in, in dust, we call it, like really fine breadcrumbs. Okay. This is a, re a really important step because you want every little... Uh, uh, part of it to be covered in dust because yeah. this is going to be the layer that's protecting it uh, for to coming out uh, when when you put it in a deep fryer. So from splitting in the in the in the fat. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So then then uh, if you don't put the fine the, the really fine uh, dust around it, it will come out for sure. Yeah. And um, normally, like uh, we uh, used to do it with uh, egg white. Mm -hmm. um, but now we use um, a sort of uh, 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 I, I can't exactly say what it is but it's a, a cake paste uh, okay, okay. and uh, it's a, a better mix that we use for uh, some form of binding agent I think we'd call yeah, it in English okay. yeah and it's also yeah. uh, our first step to try to make our croquette vegan uh, in, oh, nice. in, on the long term so um, is this something you're conscious of? Sorry to interrupt the process again, but is this something you're conscious of? Trying to be um, vegan friendly while making your snacks? Mm, I wouldn't say um, uh, it's uh, on top of our list. It's more that there's a lot of really shitty uh, vegan snacks nowadays. And we're like, come on, guys, this can be so much better. This is, This is just... Uh, we can make a really good vegan croquette if we get the right um, uh, binding uh, and the right products uh, because we like to get our products local and that's why we use butter. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, um, I don't know, margarine. Like, margarine. Uh, margarine. Margarine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If, it's, it's really hard to know where mm. it's coming from. Yeah, yeah. So, like, there's a... 
there's a way of thinking like, okay, uh, I need to get everything vegan, but that's not our way. We like, we, we think, uh, it's better to uh, shop local, mm-hmm. uh, from a farmer that you know, that you know is treating the cows, mm-hmm. uh, well, and, um, and also get your butter from, from there, uh, instead of getting your margarine from, uh, 20 different places all over the world. Mm-hmm. So we we're definitely looking into uh, where to buy these products and make a, a vegan croquette, maybe mm-hmm. when it's available, uh, mm-hmm. the right margarine. So that's that's on our list, but it's not uh, our uh, goal to get our products uh, vegan or any. Uh, no, it's quality. No primary lo- goal, but it, it could happen and it would be cool. Yeah, exactly. And uh, taste is number one. And then uh, uh, it should be uh, tasting Good and really good. Otherwise, we're not gonna uh, make it happen. Uh, like if if margarine is is influencing the flavor, ah, it's a no go. Okay, so, so I know you were talking about the process. So we've we basically yeah, so we put have, the uh, dust on. Yeah, um, and you carry on, Apple. So we have the dust on the on the uh, the shaped croquette or bitter ball, and then uh, on that moment we uh, laid it lay it in a, in a nice full bath of uh, better mix and um, then we uh, we like to use uh, panko or like thicker breadcrumbs or okay. a combination of but for the croquettes that we make now we use panko because they uh, actually are uh, electrified uh, breadcrumbs so the reason why they're so crunchy <laughs> is because they're <laughs> electrified and it sounds really electrified. Funky. Yeah. What does it mean? What is electrified mean? bread? So um, they dry it and uh, Pikachu. Yeah. So <laughs> sort of. There, there's a little shock of, of uh, electricity uh, going through the the bread when they're dried. That's okay. That's really, uh, really cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I never thought that uh, this would so, be a thing. So that, that's why it's so crunchy and so light and thin. And um, our uh, crust is also inspired, or, or Holtkamp inspired us to make our crust the same same way and also thin. And uh, he's using uh, breadcrumbs, but the reason why we chose for uh, panko is because it's a little bit uh, uh, lighter and more um, yeah, thinner, uh, easier. It, uh, I, I'm, I'm still flabbergasted, but uh, by this product, I never knew that this was panko. Yeah, super cool. So that's that's when you have the croquette. Actually, uh, I was uh, thinking the other day, like uh, a lot of people want to learn to make a croquette because I get the question more often. Like, mm. I, maybe I should do something with that. And yeah, in the yeah croquette course. Yeah, croquette course, or uh, make uh, make your own croquette, or uh, like uh, yeah, invent your own croquette. And the tools that you use when making them is there anything specific that you have to use when making it so it all done he by needs hand? bob <laughs> <laughs> bob and lane uh, are my companions that i really need the, the most uh the the production kitchen that we work at it's uh, called kitchen republic and they have uh, a lot of uh, blast freezers and that makes our life more easy because then you uh first you have we have a bigger uh like sort of boil kettle um now uh, instead of uh, a big pan and and there's uh, a flame underneath so it, it heats up and there's a 
uh, rotation arm in there that mixes the the root nicely. Mm-hmm. So that that's the first step that we uh, that we made uh, to make our life easier. And then we have the meal croquette. It's a Belgium uh, f- uh, factory made uh, croquette um, per, uh, press, and uh, you have seven layers, mm-hmm. uh, seven lines of uh, roux coming out. Okay. So you 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 push it like. <laughs> you, you 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 pull the the handle and <laughs> there's seven uh um maybe half a meter uh lines uh of croquettes coming out and they they um if if we did the the right job they they st- they stay firm and we mm-hmm. can put them in the blast freezer to just freeze them enough uh so they so we can cut them into the shape or in into the size that we want Mm-hmm. And then we uh, uh, put the breadcrumbs on top and uh, make nice croquettes out of it. So the the meal croquette, it's uh, it's it's already like maybe uh, I, I, f- I think I saw the last advertisement from 1970, and um, uh, we bought it from an old uh, snack bar holder <laughs> that was uh, in uh, Breda, and uh, uh, the, I, I think there's only like a couple of them still lying around somewhere. Uh, but we are so happy with it. That's yeah. that's making our life so easy. <laughs> yeah. Instead of doing it all by hand, because you have two ways of of making croquettes. It's the butcher's <laughs> way, <laughs> and it's the the pastry kind of way. Mm-hmm. And we doing the butcher's way. That's the the way with the um, with the with the press. And the the pastry kind uh, maker way is is with the ice scoop. So ah. and they have different sizes of ice scoops, and you uh, you just get the roux. You uh, you get the ice ice scoop through the roux, and then you have a nice bowl. You form it mm-hmm. the way you want, and then um, mm. you. Uh, I can imagine the, the press is a bit more consistent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you you, I, you would be surprised. Like the the old croquette makers, like uh, Van Dobbe, Crackerboom, and all those uh, mm. pastry uh, makers from uh, back then, they they did it all by hand, and all every really? like they are so trained. Every like. 30 grams is exactly 30 grams every time, always. And there's a, uh, and, and they just helped each other out back then. Just, uh, mm-hmm. I need to make uh, 100 kilos of, uh, of roux into uh, croquettes. Uh, guys, come on, we have, uh, have to make. Uh, wow. Also, batch. between companies? Yeah, yeah. There were like That's pastry cool. makers uh, calling each other, like, ah, oh, it's the croquette time again. Uh, I'm making the roux. Uh, come in, uh, come in next, uh, next day, and we're going to make uh, croquettes and bitter balls. Uh, it's super cool. I always say that beer is one of the few places where companies work together, even though they're, uh, yeah, have to sell uh, their beers at the same place. But this is, uh, it happens more mm. often. Mm-hmm. The world is like, just uh, just became a bit more colorful. What, yeah. What I think is interesting is that um, <clears throat> to a lot of people, snack bar food and croquettes and bitter ball and a maybe viewed more as like fast food let's say like kind of shit food but there is this kind of wave of the old school guys you've mentioned Quackaboom and Holkamp which are maybe the guys that are doing it good yeah what how do you why do you think it's viewed this way or how do you view it whether it's uh, good or bad I don't know like the the there's only a few independent croquette makers left now and that's also uh, an inspiration for us to just make croquettes again uh, because there's, I think, Holtkamp and smaller 
So there's some other parties also doing it like us, uh, starting it again. But the bigger companies, they're all underneath an umbrella of uh, one big company. Okay. And um, uh, it's uh, it's hard to, uh, like, I don't uh, want to be in their uh, area. I just want to do something new and uh, make some uh, some new products with, with this funky uh, fermentation flavor somewhere in there. Uh, maybe not always that funky. Some sometimes some uh, miso, sometimes uh, more umami kind of uh, flavors than uh, sour uh, kimchi. But uh, I like to make the, the 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 differentiation in in the croquettes that were made maybe 30 years or started made it 30 years ago, and uh, that we are making nowadays. You mentioned Kitchen Republic, and we've mm. already talked about this idea of like an uncom- unconventional chefs that have, have been going around the last year or so. Um, how does Kitchen Republic def- affect the way you work, and how how can you learn from that? Of course, I, I have a background in, in uh, different kitchens, and I, uh, I know how to work in kitchens, but I didn't know of the concept uh, um uh, before I, I went to Kitchen Republic uh, and uh, at that same time I was uh, looking uh, at a program called uh, It's Alive uh, from uh, Brett I don't know his last name but he, he, uh, he also inspired me to make uh, uh, make kimchi make uh, koji uh, mold make uh, all different kind of stuff so he um, and he was also working in a sort of a production kitchen or a sort of an experimental kitchen with other chefs and other people there were making their own stuff. So and there's a lot of different cooks, different people working in Kitchen Republic. And that's really, really nice because, for instance, today I had a, this conversation with um, a really good uh, pizza maker. And I said, like, uh, I, I always got a jar of fermented tomato sauce with uh, basil, uh, garlic, onions in my fridge. Um, would you like to try it on your pizza? Uh, so maybe we can have a, a nice uh, like a collab together with uh, a pizza with fermented, uh, fermented tomato sauce on top. Uh, and he was like, yeah, man, that sounds great. And uh, he already tried our product. So he was like, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm totally in. I'm uh, totally uh, want to <laughs> taste that tomato sauce. So good. those okay. those influences uh, from each other are, are are also a big inspiration in our daily work. Like uh, somebody made something new and want to uh, have a test panel. And we are like uh, all chefs, all uh, working together um, and uh, trying out each other's uh, food there. So that's... Uh, I think uh, really good if you start a business like this and you, uh, for your network, it's really great, but also just uh, uh, as a uh, test panel and uh, uh, like... uh, um, Yeah, but it's more than just a place where you go for cooking uh, and that's it. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, it's a a community there. Yeah, exactly, the community, uh, yeah. Cool. Also yeah. another echo to the craft beer world, I think, right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. For, for sure. Yeah, like yeah. Different styles inspiring of uh, is, is inspiring each other, and uh, yeah, yeah. Now there's a lot of new, innovative, <coughs> very much health conscious uh, food products that have been come on the market in recent times, um, and as people have, be, have become more aware of what they consume, how do you think your snacks compare to the likes of them or fake meats? 
So we try. Are you healthy? <laughs> I, that's a, that's that's indeed a really good question. I, I think I eat so many croquettes that uh, it's hard to balance it out with sports and uh, stuff. But uh, <laughs> and sexy, I do yeah. like yeah, stay stay sexy. Uh, <laughs> Which is not a, a big problem for you. But still. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I try to work out uh, and uh, don't gain uh, that that much. But nah, that, I'm I'm joking. It's uh, I I try to what we try to do it with Funkhilde is. Um, Maybe twenty percent of it is going to be um, uh, meat or fish or uh, any kind of um, bird. Um, we try to do what a lot of uh, traditional restaurants or traditional food makers did the last years is uh, uh, they turned it around. It was maybe seventy uh, percent was uh, meat and. Uh, fish and the 30% was uh, vegetables and uh, and other stuff and, and we don't we only work with a product uh, that we know where it's coming from and that we know uh, is, it's it's good so for instance we try to get fish from the harbor at Amuda for instance and mm. um, uh, the meat is from uh, for instance we developing uh, sausage at the moment and um, nice. um, the meat is from a local butcher that's uh, from a cow that's already used for milk, uh, dairy kind of uh, uh, products. And now normally, or like the old days, it wouldn't be normal that they would use it for uh, meat there or use their, use their meat for, uh, for a nice sausage or anything like that. But nowadays uh, we can use the meat for our sausage and make, a, make it really uh, tasty as well. Uh, so there's a different point of view of looking at it, and um, we try to do it with our uh, a little bit the same with vegan. Like we don't uh, we don't try to make it vegetarian or vegan. Uh, taste is number one. If 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 it's a really good sausage, then uh, uh, then the we we are gonna uh, make it happen to um, uh, sell it or uh, make it happen to uh, produce it. Uh, if it's uh, an, a really nice vegetarian croquette or um, a vegan croquette, we're gonna we're gonna make it. Uh, if it's uh, hard to make a really good vegan croquette or any vegan snack, then nah, then uh, we're yeah, not. Yeah. It's it's all first it's taste and then uh, um, any anything else. Uh, taste and then quality of the yeah, produce. Say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, and also the sustainability, producer. I think. Yeah, also sustainability is also really high. Uh, but a bit more than value. health, I have the feeling, or not? Maybe Sorry? not. I have the feeling that um, sustainability is. Uh, I, I hear it in all your stories. If you're saying we're going to use the the meat of a milk cow, uh, then then it's about sustainability. But and health, because you're making snacks. We're making snacks, though. Yeah, that's that, that's for sure. Yeah, not, uh, I don't mean this very critical because we are making beer, which is also <laughs> not about health, perhaps. No, no, no. I totally understand the question. Like, it's uh, it's it's hard to um, yeah, make a, a healthy snack, but we try to also not only make uh, deep fried uh, snacks nowadays. So, um. Uh, it's also, for instance, working on a dumpling or working on a on a bapao or something like that. That's uh, that's also on our on our agenda. And 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 if you have like really clean oil and if you have the knowledge of how you uh, should fry the the products, 
uh, then the snack isn't always that that unhealthy for you. Now I must apologize to you, Abel, because <laughs> I know you brought those snacks. Uh, he brought it. Nabil bought a selection of his uh, freshly made snacks for us to eat on the show, uh, but there was a bit of a communication error here, and I haven't uh, heated up the fryer. I'm very sad about that. But, more uh, than I thought I would was before. <laughs> but your, your your snacks they're they're completely original, right? Like the, no one else is making a kimchi croquette that I found. How do you come up with those ideas? And maybe you can run through your products a little bit. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. That, um, um, so our uh, selection of products is now uh, the kimchi croquette, um, the uh, salto croquette. It's a salty tomato croquette. It's uh, fermented uh, Dutch tomatoes that are really uh, like l- they they lack of taste when you eat them normally, but when you ferment them, they have an explosion of umami coming out. So that's a, a really yeah, it's only tomato, and they already give so much taste after fermentation. So that's uh, uh, what, that was a big surprise for us. Then we have the cheese croquette with uh, a little bit of uh, kimchi in there, um, and the cheese is from uh, Fromagerie Kef. Um, that we I ate a, a, a tosti there um, with kimchi on top, and it was with tinje taler. It was uh, it, I was. So amazed of this, uh, the taste. Tinny com- What's yeah. that? It's a sort of emmentaler, only then ah, a bit okay. more grassier, I would say. But okay. And um, the taste combination or the flavor combination was so uh, intense and so nice. So it, it already, oh, always was stuck in my head to uh, to, to do some, something with that. So uh, yeah, that, that was uh, that. That are our three like. Um, croquettes but we just started making um uh, pies actually like mm. small 50 gram pies um english pies or, or sweet no 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 like english pies mm. like yeah. more or more new zealand australian pies okay. when i was in new zealand i this is music to my ears by the way <laughs> yeah? <laughs> yeah uh and um we this is also one of our collabs with um or uh, one of our uh, gilde members the uh, pompai and they um, they they organize a good paste uh, pastry uh, base for the for our roux. So what we uh, we every time we make croquettes, there's the the little uh, butt uh, on the end of the croquette. So right. we cut it off, but we didn't have really a purpose with the butts of the uh, croquettes. So no purpose with the butt. <laughs> So, <laughs> just make one big bitter ball, then, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We tried to do some some stuff with that, but um, uh, so what we did, we we we've put it all in the freezer and uh, and we uh, we let it stay there, and then uh, this idea came up uh, to uh, uh, put it in one of those pies and make or first heat it up again with some extras. So what we did is, for instance, we made the kimchi. Uh, we made a vegetarian kimchi jjigae, a Korean uh, dish that uh, with uh, mushrooms in it. And a and the cheese pie was with uh, uh, extra old cheese added and um, uh, uh, grilled uh, celery um, in... Uh, like little piece of, of grilled celery in in the 
in the pies. And the third one was with the, the tomato croquette with uh, asparagus, uh, white asparagus and, uh, and uh, tomato. So it was, there were like three really good uh, tasty combinations. Uh, and we just yeah, finished and uh, just uh, uh, started selling them uh, since last weekend, actually. So... Mm -hmm. But how do how do those nice. ideas come about? Is it is yeah? It, sorry, yeah. No, is it just it might come? Uh, mm. Yeah, just how do those ideas come about? So we, um, what we did is uh, uh, we like the first ideas. They just uh, also with the with the Kitchen Republic uh, there. We we you get inspiration from each other, but we also try to do once a week sort of a, a challenge uh, with the three of us. So um, we make, um, uh, we say the topic is, uh, uh, for instance, a cold, uh, like um, captain's dinner. And that's uh, a captain's dinner uh, uh, is, a, is, is a topic, uh, is a, like an old Dutch dish. And we make, uh, it's with a little piece of um, uh, pork or bacon or whatever you want with some chickpeas, with some, uh, beans and um, and like there's different styles of it, but so we uh, so for instance that's, that's a from topic. maybe traditional things or kind of yeah exactly yeah, like uh, yeah. somebody ate it and somebody is like inspired and says like okay this is a topic for this week. Is a famous Dutch thing? Yeah, uh, uh, I I don't know actually. Oh, like, okay, so uh, I because I never heard of it. I uh, yeah I, I maybe I I thought it was a Dutch thing, but maybe I'm wrong. And. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, look it up. <laughs> no, but and, like, uh, and uh, that, that's, for, but it could be some, uh, like, uh, every week there's another topic or every two weeks there's another topic. And we try to inspire us, uh, ourselves by using those, um, those days. And uh, some, something new that we, we are trying out is um, going to, uh, uh, to a store and, uh, that's a, that's a, that's a new program on the menu that you go to a store, you just buy all the uh, ingredients that for for the other partner for for instance Bob, mm -hmm. uh, and he has to make a nice dish out of it. It's you know ready steady cook. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, this reminds me of ready yeah, steady cook. Yeah, this was was one uh, was growing up. Like this is like I thought like oh man, this is this is something we should do to each other. Like okay, Such I'll buy all idea. the ingredients, and you should make. This with it, okay. Let's go. Oh, and uh, of course, when when you start working in some some direction, or when you uh, you pay more attention to what people are making, for instance, what uh, uh, people from Noma are doing, and you get inspiration from all those things that you see, and and you combine it, and you you're gonna uh, look in your own cabinet of fermentation and see what you can make. And um, I think. Uh, this is the, the 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 part that I like the most out of uh, working uh, and um, experimenting uh, in mm. in flavors and in taste. I really feel what uh, you're doing is compare and with the the work at the Kitchen Republic as well. I really feel that it's comparable to the like craft beer uprising, more innovative beer being made in a landscape that was maybe quite traditional. You watched that grow as you were working as a brewer. Uh, what did you learn from that, and did you take that as inspiration? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like the um, and I have to say, like I'm I'm not doing this by myself. Uh, it's yeah, it's Bob, sure. Bob and Lane with me. So, 
but the feeling and the the like you also said before, like the the working the way uh, the craft uh, beer industry is working together. Uh, I remember, for instance, oh shit, our kegs are uh, are uh, we don't have any kegs left anymore. Oh, I run to. Uh, 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 Valhalla and uh, see if they uh, if I can borrow one of their uh, kegs or anything and that there's always um, it's not not a fight it's the competition is is uh, is always uh, um, just always good beer good beer and, and in this case it's for us it's making uh, nice snacks and, and good food and um, I do have to say like the if I uh, I started we started also making this the uh, snacks because uh, there uh, are just limited amount of new snacks coming on the market and nowadays like uh, uh, there are a few extra uh, small snack makers uh, around but uh, we try to make uh, new snacks and new flavors and of course I, I hey, when I go out uh, have a few beers I like uh, a frikandel uh, also with the uh, a good uh, layer of uh, mayonnaise on top. Now but I want this. <laughs> <laughs> you already tipsy, right? So yeah, yeah, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I don't get me wrong. I don't. I, I appreciate all the all the snacks that are available, but there we were well, not all of them. There's shit no, there's definitely a, a bunch of them that are that I don't like. But you are definitely an addition in 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 flavor. Yeah, 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 yeah. But still, you know, there, there's, there's a, for instance, a, a, a guy called uh, Snacks Pair, and he's uh, reviewing <laughs> all those. <laughs> he's reviewing all those good, uh, all the snacks that you can just uh, possibly eat, and uh, I, uh, it's, it's really amusing to see him uh, eating all the, all the snacks that are available. It maybe not all the snacks that I would eat, but uh, what I try to say is that. Uh, we entered this sort of market with uh, traditional snacks and traditional uh, way of thinking in uh, producing snacks and uh, and flavors. Uh, and we try to make a different flavor in in snacks and a different taste, um, and uh, try to do it as as good as we can and with a modern look at uh, sustainability and a modern look at um, finance for. Uh, uh, for for instance, the farmer that you uh, get your products from. Do you ever make a bitter ball? Um, that's a good question because I don't think the three-step bite will uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> will uh, will be withstand uh, that. Yeah, yeah bitter stuff. That. <laughs> 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 uh, but we 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 thinking of that, but it's uh, it's not our priority to make a, a bitter ball at the moment nah. because it's it's so traditional. And uh, everybody that expects a bitter ball nowadays or still is is thinking of a beef uh, stock, and uh, and we're trying to um, make something uh, more uh, uh, yeah colorful, I would say, uh, than only the simple. Or add the, something instead of. Yeah, or, or yeah, add add something instead of replicating. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's that's a. Uh, we're going to dive a bit deeper into snack bar culture in a second, but I just wanted to ask you one more question that's kind of related to Funk Kilda. Mm. But you, your designs of the artwork that you do are pretty cool. And I know you work with another friend of ours, uh, Barry, yeah. who's an illustrator. How does that process work? Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, 
Barry. Um, Barry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's it. Uh, most of the time uh, we work with Bob and Lane uh, together, and and we just making something from scratch on on those challenge days or on those yeah. days, and uh, um, and ask Barry like, hey, this is these are. This is your. Uh, these are your borders. Uh, what are you capable of, of and what do you uh, think of of this uh, snack and this uh, product? And and then the brainstorm session starts with Barry. Like, mm-hmm. uh, what can we make? How does uh, uh, how, what what do you uh, uh, know of this product? And uh, mm-hmm. like, how do you? Uh, uh, What's the first thing that you see in front of you? Like, what's the first thing that uh, pops up? And um, uh, most of the time, um, Barry already has like, a, of course, he has his own style, and that's also something that we uh, enhance. Like, uh, we don't want him to, uh, we don't want him to uh, to make something that we already drawn and uh, that we already made. So, uh, yeah, he he uh, he has a big part in uh, creating and helping creating the the brand image and the the show yeah we're about halfway through our conversation with abel so now we're going to take a quick break to find out what yins van hook has in his fridge yins is a restaurant owner who where he's also the head chef a kombucha brewer and also a miso maker So I was very much looking forward to finding out what he had in his fridge. So let's find out. Hello, this is Yins. Hi, Yins. This is Danny from Radio Oedipus. How are you doing? Hi, Danny. So nice of you to call. Hey. I'm doing mighty fine. <laughs> good, good, good. Hey, could you let me know uh, what's in your fridge? What's in my fridge? Let's see. I've got a couple of kombuchas in the fridge. Uh, all Irish kombucha. Okay, nice. My own brew. Um, what flavors are those? Wine. What flavors are those kombuchas you have? Well, the most recent I, I really enjoy drinking in the, in the sun we've had a couple of days is a 100% jasmine kombucha. Nice. It's very nice and fresh. It's now three weeks old, so low carbon, but very fresh. Um, and I have uh, my classic brew, which I've been doing for a little over a year now, which is half coffee kombucha and half jasmine. Oh, cool. So it's uh, it's a bit funky. It's got loads of coffee flavors, which give it a little depth. And then there's a whiskey barrel-aged rooibos kombucha. It's pretty good. And I make black tea and fresh ginger kombucha, which is the most sparkly one. Ah, nice. Cool. It's very nice. And what's the... Do you keep your alcohol content down in them, or is it a very... It's uh, it's very low, and I I've, I test all of them, and they're below one point zero point five percent, so almost no alcohol. Uh, the especially the rooibos uh, drops about because of the oxidation in the barrel; it just loses all the alcohol that's still in there. So um, as low as possible. 
Oh, nice. And when you're not drinking kombucha, what other drinks do you drink? <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, when I'm done with a full day in the kitchen, I really enjoy the the new citrus beer from Oedipus, the Dorinku. Oh, yeah, yeah, and nice. Cans, they're so refreshing, they're like the best thing if you leave a hot kitchen and you're thirsty. Nice, and I'm glad you're enjoying it. Maybe a good glass of wine. Yeah, nice. What kind of wines yeah. have you got in your, have you got any wines in your fridge? Well, in my fridge is a, a Slovenian white wine, which is pretty nice. It's, got, it's, a, it's a Rebula, which is uh, actually the grape they make Prosecco from, but in Slovenia they make it a, a still wine. Ah, nice. It's very, uh, very nice. I'm not, I'm not familiar and with Slovenian wines. Are they, would they say they're more dry or they're sweeter? Well, they're, I would say they're more tart. Okay. They're so focused on, on the cuisine in Slovenia, which is basically loads of vegetables and, and cooked fish. So they're yeah. great to combine with, with food. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Great. Cool. Um, yeah, anything else uh, drink-wise in your fridge? Well, of course, there's a, there's a cider in the fridge. Oh, yeah? Come, it's a good cider. Um, right now, it's a, a poiré from uh, Normandy, which they gave the cool name Plant de Blanc. There's a, there's a nice joke to the Blanc de Blanc champagne. Yeah. That's a very nice recession drink. So yeah, it's quite hard to get good ciders here in the Netherlands. I find you, you said it's a French one you have there, isn't it? Yeah, it's a French one. There's there's a couple of Dutch cider makers, but it's hard to get the good apples growing. I think in Holland, so there's some specialists that manage to do it, but most good dry ciders are still with a fan. Yeah, for sure. I, I I'm a big cider fan, especially in the good weather. But um, yeah. can't seem to find as much cider here in the Netherlands compared to how readily available it was in the UK where I'm from. Um, it's culture in the UK, of course. Yeah, yeah, cider culture. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We have a lot of West Country ciders that are really funky, and uh, I think all around the country has different uh, kind of cider culture going on. Um, but yeah, I'd love to drink some sodas in the UK once. Yeah, me too, me too. But unfortunately, <laughs> it's a bit difficult at the moment. <laughs> yeah, now tell me, Yins, have you uh, you make kombucha and I know you're also a chef. Have you ever tried to brew a beer? Well, I uh, I haven't tried brewing a beer. No, it's, it's sort of in the line of expectation when you start brewing and you start fermenting that at some point you'll have to brew a beer. Yeah. When I, I, I skipped on it. I, I've tried some ciders and I've tried uh, like a peach cider and all kinds of other fruits, but I, uh, I've never uh, brewed a beer in my life. Ah, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, we'll, <laughs> we'll just have to we'll just have to wait until that um, magical thought comes in when you feel like it's the right time to brew a beer. Then, hey. Yeah, 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 yeah. I right. think so. I am actually today. Brew it, brewing an, uh, an amazake, okay. which, is, uh, which is a Japanese uh, slightly fermented drink you make on the base of uh, barley koji, cool. uh, which is also the base for, for mizos and soy sauces. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I'm, I'm making a first run now, and uh, I, can, I can sort of check the first brew of it in eight hours, so that might be a new 
sort of uh, brewing side project to start. It's the first but I've, first I've heard of it as well. I've never heard of yeah. uh, that, so you might be might be one of the first to uh, be making that. That's really interesting. Well, it's basically the, the fresh, non-alcoholic uh, sort of variety of sake, which is a, ah, nice. a rice-fermented uh, alcoholic. Of course, yeah. Yeah. And, um, I'm curious, too. Yeah, that is really interesting. So you must have lots of other cool things in your fridge. Um, could you t- tell me anything else that's worth talking about that's in your fridge? Well, I'm now in the fridge because I, I sort of took it out of the fermentation process. Is a is a miso I, I make on the basis of bread. It's yeah. basically two days old, which we can't use anymore in the restaurant. We cut off the crusts and uh, make it into a miso, which we then use to uh, when we simmer meats and stuff. That's down the fridge. There's a little bottle of squid garum still in the fridge. Which, uh, if you open it, stinks horribly. So it's basically like keeping French cheese in your fridge. Wow, very funky. Everything will start smelling of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's very nice to sprinkle a little bit over some fresh shallots and stuff. It gives you loads of depth. Ah, nice. Awesome. All right, uh, then, Yins. Well, thanks for telling me uh, what's in your fridge. Um, yeah, it's that... good to be in the show. Yeah, no worries, man, no worries. And uh, I wish you the best of luck with everything, okay? You too. Have a good podcast. All right, cheers, man. Bye-bye. All right, cheers. All right, and a special thank you to Yins. Check out the show notes to discover a little bit more about what he does. If you want to talk about what's in your fridge, get in contact with me, radio at udipus.com. But for now, let's jump back into the conversation with Abel and Bass. Okay, so th- this next part uh, is really interesting to me because this is maybe a culture that both uh, you guys grew up in, this idea of the snack bar culture. So the snack bar culture is really a Dutch-only thing, right? Can you explain, Abel, what the snack bar is? Really, the concept of a snack bar, and there's a snacking. Like, uh, you have, uh, where, for instance, when you... Uh, we're young and you were, were at a friend's place and uh, he had his, uh, his mom was gone uh, for on holiday or so and he was uh, just uh, old enough to uh, have some friends over and have a party. Then there was a, a deep fryer with snacks from uh, that you also could get from a snack bar. Uh, and this was like a celebration uh, then. Uh, like uh, when The you were... ultimate highlight of the pinnacle of, of being a human <laughs> being in the Netherlands. <laughs> Growing up with that experience is 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 just amazing. And um, like true. I I that's a snack snack bar experience at home. And then you have the snack bar um, experience. There's uh, like outdoor uh, experience is is maybe even better and still happening almost every weekend for a lot of us. So, and there's so many different kind of snack bars. I also collecting different pictures of uh, and uh, different moments that I uh, uh, that I enter a snack bar and they didn't change. For instance, the the layout or the the whole. Um, uh, signage uh, from when they started, and that was maybe like 30 years ago or 40 years ago. And uh, there's there's so so many different kind of snack bars. There's 
like a traditional only fries snack bar, and they have like for instance Flemish fries mm. and the, the more thicker fries. Has a, has a specific name, right? A frit. Uh, yeah, friterie, but I think it's friterie. I think it's Belgium. Yeah, ah, it's, okay. that's that's Belgium indeed. But uh, and you have the the the, the, sn- the snack bar on the corner of every uh, little uh, uh, village uh, street uh, where you can uh, where where they have the the glass. Um, cooling a vitrine with, yeah. with their uh, with their assortment uh, laid out with really nice uh, like sort of uh, tin paper green tin paper yeah. to make it look nice like it's plastic like yeah. like it's grass but it's yeah. plastic yeah, yeah, yeah. like, so like so no it's, it's like not plastic deli. it's like a paper paperish kind of yeah but, uh, it, but sometimes it's sometimes it's plastic yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's, it's sort of a decoration kind of style only then. Um, they they've put it in the middle of all the snacks to to make a nice uh yeah well that i find that really funny that it's kind of like a deli window where it shows you all the snacks but all the snacks are uncooked and raw yeah <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And they don't look very nice no exactly <laughs> and that's why they use this this sort of paper green paper to make yeah but that's also part of the fun this this in this this ugly <laughs> anthropological uh experience where you it nothing is nice in the snack bar, but we <laughs> the, love the, it so much. Yeah, and yeah, but I know, think I think there's there's glory in in ugliness. There. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I don't like the the for instance, I don't like the 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 lighting lightning in or or the lights in the train, for instance, the the, the really bright the lights, lights, the TL lights. Yeah, but I do like them in a snack bar. I I I I, I do experience. It's uh, part of the romance. Yeah, that it's there part is of none. the snack bar romance. <laughs> <laughs> And um, there should be a really old school uh, milkshake uh, uh, advertisement uh, somewhere with uh, saying how big the cups are and that they have vanilla, banana and chocolate flavor. Maybe strawberry if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but if you get the, the, the milkshake, it is not as sexy as it is in a... On the advertisement. In, in, in a US yeah. uh, milkshake. No, no. Or the advertisement. <laughs> or as sexy as in the advertisement. Yeah. yeah. I think it's all about uh, non sexiness. It, it's definitely. And, and um, yeah, the, the. Like. <laughs> The most of the, there's so many different kind of snack bar holders, like uh, people uh, that they're having a snack bar, and you see that they work there uh, for quite some time, most of the time. So mm-hmm. they 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 have this experience and this sort of uh, uh, automatic pilot kind of way of working. Like uh, you order two cookets, two cookets, okay, coming up. And there's al- always like, there's always this, he's, he's listening, but he's also thinking like, oh shit, I have to do the washes tonight. I have to... Uh, do you think uh, they really think? Oh uh, yeah, I, I think this is just uh, the... Uh, uh, maybe, I, I do think they're like uh, sort of there, they're, they're, they're for maybe 50 or 40% there. They're still conscious. They're, they're, they're still conscious, yeah. <laughs> and was is there a um but it's great there like i don't get me wrong i really like the experience of a snack bar me too yeah, I, I know it's not about me but yeah. <laughs> no 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 i think it's, uh, but I, you also grew up in the netherlands no so. but i think this this is this is the the idea of the question i think it's really funny because they're not they're trashy not very glamorous places but they're filled with so much positivity right I we think, they, think they, they deserve exactly highly. what you want cheap yeah. food at the end of your night yeah, yeah. Or cheap food, or, and w- uh, once uh, at the moment you come back from a holiday and or, you don't. 
want something else anymore. Yeah, or playing uh, after playing sports, for instance, after playing uh, soccer, you, there's there's this. You can order also uh, a broodje croquette and uh, uh, and a, a frikandel. I almost mm-hmm. never did this though. For me, it's it's really uh, an alcohol. Uh, th- so that that's what I mean. Like there's different kind of sort of snack bar yeah. uh, experiences. Like you're having it uh, in the canteen after soccer, or you have it uh, late night after um, uh, after a good night out, or maybe uh, on a on a Sunday, uh, you don't want to cook and uh, you think like, ah, let's go to the snack bar. And you, you can buy uh, bags uh, per, the euro, per euro. So you can buy like, most of the time you say like, okay, uh, fill it up for five euros, uh, the bag of fries. Like uh, for instance, you say, uh, <laughs> like, uh, give me five uh, croquettes to uh, this and that and then uh, five euros of uh, fries. And then they fill it up like how... But I don't know how they measure that, but like <laughs> they, they will fill it up for five euros anyway. So good. Yeah. What, the, what I find really interesting is this idea of routine. And what I wanted to ask you was what role did it play in your life when you were growing up? Is the particular memories that you think of? Yeah, yeah. There's there's a in, in croquette especially because my mom she used to work. She's a teacher and she used to work in in on summer holidays. She. Uh, Used to work in um, uh, foreign countries like uh, France or so, and and I most of the time went with her for maybe three weeks or so, or and uh, the rest I I stayed in the Netherlands. But those weeks that I was there, uh, I always wanted to make croquettes with her because she learned me how to make croquettes. So, for instance, she was working on a, on a um, camping or um, uh, a like a big castle with a camping on, uh, on the side and she was she learned me how to make croquettes so i was maybe 14 15 years old and we were, we were making croquettes together uh, for the people on the camping so th- those were the first like croquettes uh, moments snack bar moments uh, making doing it yourself uh, kind of the it's beautiful uh, cool yeah really good why do you think the snack bar is not caught on internationally <laughs> I it's think, in Belgium. There's oh, well, a, yeah, sorry. Sorry. No, 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 Belgium, there's a big snack bar uh, culture going on. Yeah, there. for sure. <laughs> mm. They also have e- way more sauces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, one of the better asamp- examples, samurai sauce, which is a spicy mayonnaise. We have that in the UK of, as well. Yeah? All right. Yeah. So, but I think, I think every culture has this ugly snacks mm. and i think if you didn't grow up with them it's super hard to go with it on a later age mm-hmm. yeah so we have all the snack things but uh, i think for example if i go to mexico of course they have tacos uh, in general and then we like them but they also have a lot of uh, for example organ meats that everybody yeah. likes and if you didn't grow up grew up with them it it's it's weird and i think it's the same with a frikandel if you didn't grow up with it you will never understand the true romance of a frikandel with mayonnaise on top mayonnaise with fries already for a lot of people in the in the world is weird while for us that's the first choice and then the other come mm-hmm. i think it's all about yeah. uh, it's culture yeah for sure was there a particular thing that you would order when you were a kid I would always try all the croquettes. Definitely, that 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 croquette. Yeah, really, it was uh, my my favorite snack then uh, back then already. But also like the what you were saying, like um, 
I think you can uh, learn it uh, after a couple of. Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, if, if you if you uh, try uh, try enough frikandelle croquettes or kaasvlees, then uh, you know uh, uh, your your the romance also. I think uh, around it. True. No, I agree with that. But um, uh, if uh, Sander he uh, told me uh, or he learned me actually a really nice snack in uh, Belgium. He uh, he he taught me. Like there's uh, a sandwich called the Mitriette, and it's uh, we were at um, Tilke uh, at their English beer festival. After we were really hungry, and we went to a local snack bar there. So we were uh, out out really hungry, uh, searching for a snack bar that was still open. And then he said, like, have you ever had a Mitriette? I don't know what's well, a Mitriette. Uh, he, uh, <laughs> I, I, I really I think this is the most important part of the of the whole interview. I'm so <laughs> curious. <laughs> what, a mitriette, like the 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 word only, it's it already sounds like uh, something exciting to yeah. me and um, sexy and, and and yeah, overpowering. Exactly, yeah, like, <laughs> like really uh, uh, interesting. And uh, I, I, of course, he he got me at the second that. He said the word, so uh, <laughs> we went to the snack bar, and he, and he uh, explained me the concept of a mitriette. So you have this half half a baguette, half a French bread, and uh, you can choose um, the snack, two snacks that you like. Uh, there's going to be always fries on top, and uh, and the sauces that you prefer. So uh, that uh, that was the the, the best. Hangover food that I, uh, <laughs> I could have had then, and and also the, the best snack that uh, a new uh, snack experience. It was uh, like this. Like it's quite it's completely disgusting. It's no, completely there, disgusting. There's no it, culinary it, no, uh, no, no, fundament no. to to that snack, but but I I want it. I, yeah, <laughs> that, and I yeah, and it's it's so hard to eat and to keep together, but still it's. When you uh, yeah, like after a night out, that's the perfect snack then. Yeah, it sounds a little bit like you have in South Africa. You have uh, then they have white bread. They they get all the bread out and you keep the crust, and then they fill it up with meat, sauce, French fries, wow. or whatever. And then you get half a bread which you eat. I don't know how it's called, but that's it. Sounds a bit like that, like too many snacks at once. French yeah, fries, yeah. sauce. You know, uh, uh, no reservations from uh, Anthony Bourdain. Uh, nope. uh, th- this is like uh, this. Uh, he, uh, he went all over the world for different kind of shows, and and uh, he always went to culinary places, like to to see what the chefs could make. But also he went to uh, at night to all the the street uh, food corners and uh, all the street shops, right, and yeah, uh, yeah. and that was the moment that I woke up like, oh, what's he gonna eat now? Like, and <laughs> he 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 is also definitely a uh, inspiration. What like, are some of your favorite snacks from around the world? Do you travel much and t- try different snacks? Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Yes, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I went to uh, Poland when. Uh, uh, Bob was uh, studying there, and I had a, a zappi kanki. Uh, it's it's also uh, a half half a bread, um, half a French bread. But um, you have the same principle as the snack bar. You have a big um, a glass uh, window where you can sort or you can choose all the ingredients that you want uh, want on it. So you have. You have to have like a really disgusting sausage. That's that's sort of uh, a really pale, pale. Fundament. Yeah, that's the fundament. <laughs> and, and 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 corn and and sauce, 
and then you uh, end up with maybe pickles and 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 maybe uh, uh, fried onions and uh, ten different kind of uh, topics uh, of uh, toppings on, on there, and then it goes into the oven with cheese. Uh, you put the other half uh, of the French bread uh, on top of it and uh, extra sauce, and then uh, you eat it. That that's that was a really good one because you good? Can, yeah, 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 because you can choose every uh, like maybe except for three or four uh, four of the elements on there. You can choose everything that's going to be on there, so you have the <laughs> mm. the feeling that you're uh, you can make your own snack, but it's uh, actually not. You make fermented snacks, mm. right? That are more modern healthier version of what the snack bar is yeah uh, but you definitely position yourself amongst kind of the snack bar culture with the kimchi croquette but you what you you do make basically make a more gourmet version of that why is why do you position yourself with a snack bar culture rather than a healthy modern <laughs> food product yeah that's a that's because uh it is in the end it's deep fried and uh, okay. <laughs> we uh, we we know like fermented stuff. It's most of the time it has uh, health beneficial uh, parts in it. But mm -hmm. it's uh, in the end we're gonna deep fry it. So if there is any uh, bacteria in there still, it's it's gonna be dead after the 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 deep fryer. So okay. so this is for like the croquette part of our snacks it's um it's hard to make make it healthy like uh like normal uh for instance kimchi uh because you lose the uh, benefit beneficial parts from from the kimchi mm -hmm. in in frying it but still of course we uh try to make different snacks so it's not going to be that we going to make only croquettes in the future also it's uh, going to be different snacks mm -hmm. and also focus a little bit more on the on the healthy side so yeah yeah i just think it's curious because there is this wave of people uh new food companies making kind of healthy fancy things and you kind of still go for maybe that more traditional thing i think it's great by the way yeah yeah that um uh so the the the, the feeling of uh this for instance snack bar feeling and uh this this uh feeling of for us is is like a happy uh feeling with the 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 snack bar vibe and the um, experience that you get out of it uh and we don't want to be going uh, towards the uh, uh pointing fingers direction that you should eat healthy and that's something that people should decide for themselves so uh, uh, we only try to make really nice and uh, really good snacks. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also, this is the place where you can make a change, right? Where people, of course, they're snacking, but uh, there is, uh, it's still nice to make people conscious about flavor. Mm, that's exactly. That's that's where the fermentation fermentation part comes in for us as well. Like the yeah, you bring uh, depth. Uh, if we try to use less uh, meat and less fish and uh, uh, less animal products, but it's all uh, and we try to balance it out with fermentation. So uh, we know there's only a limit limited amount of flavors that you can uh, choose from. Uh, if you don't use fermentation, that's a sort of a traditional way of looking at it. Uh, uh, okay, let's. Uh, make a salad and then uh, put cheese, caramelized cheese, uh, goat cheese on top. Mm -hmm. Like 
that was for years was the, this was the 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 salad that was being served in uh, restaurants and we tried to make uh, fermented food because there's so many different new flavors that we don't know anything about it's like an under underwater world for us like we don't this we only we only see the, the, the tip of the iceberg uh, and we don't know what's underneath there and we we still are on, in the beginning stage of finding out what flavor, flavors are and, and tastes are nice in, uh, in snacks. So that's, this, this is something that we want to discover more and, um, and also put in our snacks to balance out more of the... If we make it vegetarian and we want to make the, the snacks still complex and... Uh, and uh, and really tasteful. Really good, man. Really inspirational. That was great. Um, any future goals for Funk Hilda? Um, yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of future goals. Um, there, uh, but for this summer, it's going to be focusing on horeca, like hospitality, and uh, focusing on um, making um, more croquettes and uh, uh, like. Uh, uh, scaling the production up. Sell, 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 buy, 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 sell, sell. Yeah, and I wish you all the best of luck with that. I know it's been a bit of a yeah, man. shit and awkward yeah, time thanks. Uh, recently, but best of luck. I really like what you do, and it's been a pleasure talking to you, man. Yeah, really thanks good. for having me over. No, I think we could have uh, we could have spoken for hours if there was enough beer, you know. And if the <laughs> yeah, show but we finished the beer, so uh, let's. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we turn up the fryer? Uh, uh, yeah, well, yeah, it's getting about that time. I need food. It? I need some food soon. <laughs> but um, let's not finish up just there. We have the quiz, of course. Yeah. yeah. So this is a quiz. Ten quick fire questions. Um, are you ready, Bass? Do you have the quiz questions in front I, of you? So my role is only to uh, keep track of what's right and what's wrong. Here's a pen if you need it. No, I have it's ten fingers. Good. How are you feeling, by the way, Bass? You've had a. You said you were tipsy when we started. Yeah, so I'm feeling? still tipsy. I'm <laughs> happy as uh, as ever. Uh, I really like talking to you both. Um, the only thing that I don't like is the absence of food. <laughs> okay okay cool well and uh, i have to go I to agree. the toilet okay cool <laughs> well let's uh, let's wrap this up quick but let's let's put full attention to the quiz but okay. yeah exactly here we go you want to win i, I definitely want to win yeah so you can what, win. what's, you what's win. the price uh so a prize is is purely on pride Ooh. uh you will go only pride well you won't go home empty-handed i'll make sure you have some fresh beer to go <laughs> home with but also it's a we have our lovely leaderboard which you can see behind you ah. so a place is still available at the top of the table Matthias is still holding it quite strong but uh yeah it's quite competitive as you can Boris see the buyer was shit yeah, well... Yeah. Sorry, so, Boris. Sorry, Boris. We really like you, but uh, four points. But let's see. There's some familiar names on there for you, I'm sure. So yeah. let's see if you can uh, beat any of them. Okay, so here's the quiz this week. And the theme for the quiz is 10 snacks from around the world. <laughs> but where can I eat them? So where okay. the name of the places where you can eat them. Okay, question number one is garlic chocolate. Mm. <laughs> I think it's a great start. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Denmark. That's incorrect. It's Japan. <sighs> Fermented shark meat. That's um, Sweden. Oh, close Iceland. Iceland. Oh, yeah. And that's yeah. called yeah. Hakal. Yeah, and it's, it's ammonia. Hung and fermented for oh. five months. Whoa, it's not under the yeah. ground, eh? Yeah, Strange. Yeah. Uh, question number three Preserved duck eggs. Uh, China? 
Yeah, correct. You, me- you actually mentioned uh, yeah, these yeah, funky yeah, yeah. Uh, duck eggs. So they're otherwise known as century eggs. Yeah, and they're soaked eggs. in like a... Modernly, they're soaked in a solution for like 10 days, but traditionally they were buried in like a mud, ash, clay. Yeah, the smell is horrible. Months. Really strange. Question number four. Uh, dried wild fish. Mm. Norway. Uh, it's not what I've got written down. It's Russia, but I think this is maybe a few yeah, places yeah. you can get I would this. put a point there uh, because okay, it's, I, it's way more broader than all yeah. Russia. Well, I'm usually good cop. He's bad cop. So if bad cop <laughs> says you get a point, you get a point, all right? Okay, question number five. Pizza Getty Slushy. <laughs> so Pizza Getty Slushy is a combination of pizza and spaghetti. I'll tell you more once you've had a guess. Um, it must be in the United States. Close, but no cigar, my friend. It's <laughs> Quebec in Canada. You can get uh, a, ple- a pizza and spaghetti flavored ice drink, like a slushy. Wow. That's strange, yeah. right? I, I was also curious. USA now. as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then like XXL would be like maybe United States. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, when they actually uh, blend up the pizza. Because <laughs> this is actually just flavored. I actually was, yeah, thought it was a bit strange when I read it. Yeah. So fish and chips. Gelato, fish and chips, ice cream. That's it, Italy. Must, must be Italy. Do you think those traditional Italians? Would, no, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> would um, but, but if you if you call it gelato, then we, okay, we no. we're in Italy. But otherwise, it's it's uh, from the UK. Uh. <laughs> no, we are not that bad. It's oh, the yeah. Australians. The Australia in Australia, you will get fish and Holy chips. Holy shit! Uh, uh, <laughs> so uh, number seven, deep fried Mars bar. That that must be the United States. Huh? That's incorrect. Oh, it, it originated in Aberdeen in Scotland, and it oh, originated yeah, oh, yeah, fuck, yeah. originated in uh, chip shops in Scotland, but is now oh, available kind of worldwide because it kind of caught on. And what's the typical drink that you? Uh, iron brew. Yeah, iron brew. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, you can yeah. also have Buckfast, which is an alcoholic tonic wine. But <laughs> iron brew is the traditional <laughs> yeah, soft yeah, drink. Yeah, you, yeah. you drink next to it. That, that's the combination. Uh, I think it's commonly drank, but also Iron Brew is a soft drink that uh, outsells Coca-Cola as the most popular soft yeah. drink in, in Scotland. And really? you would have it you would have it all day long. Oh, that's very wild. sugary drink. They actually reduced the, the sugar count uh, recently because it was too <laughs> sugary. <laughs> but it is a luminous orange drink that is delicious. Oh, Scotland is such a wonderful place and I've never been there. Uh, but it sounds we like we should do a, a, a radio Oedipus uh, trip there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 a local yeah, interview. Yeah, yeah. I would love that. Yeah. That would be great. Okay, question number eight: <laughs> Poutine. Poutine is a combination of fries, cheese curd, and gravy. Where would I be able to get this? That's well known, man. You don't know it, Poutine? France. Yeah, I, I understand why you've gone for France because it sounds like a French name, but it's Canada again. Ah, it's a delicious yeah. oh, yeah. oh, reason why it's yeah. French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the in- intern from Oedipus were talking about it every day. Oh, yeah. I, 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 it's one. It's um, I have a lot. I've, I, it's, it's it kind of fits subject. in that loaded. Fries <laughs> I have a long list of snacks I want to try, and poutine is, is really high. It went it went kind of crazy uh, in the UK for a bit as like a loaded fries kind of thing as well. Yeah. Poutine. Um, question number nine, fried tarantula. Mm. Uh, could be 
could be anywhere. <laughs> it could be anywhere. But yeah. where would you where would you be able to see it on a menu? <laughs> uh, Italy maybe, again? No, I would say <laughs> <laughs> not the uh, UK. No, maybe Australia or so. Unfortunately, not. It's Cambodia. Cambodia. Okay. I actually had it there. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was very nice. It's really because they use so much herbs and spices, and uh, it's it's really sweet and spicy. Okay. Okay. And question number ten: Escarole, which is uh, ant eggs. <laughs> and this is a this is a traditional escarole. Spagnole. <laughs> Mexico, of course. <laughs> yes, you're right. It is Mexico, and it's typically eaten in tacos. It's Hopefully actually, not yeah. in my tacos. Though. I think. Uh, well, no, I I think you really want them. Uh, they are uh, uh, very good in flavor. They are very rich, and they're actually eaten not only in Mexico but the whole South America. For example, Colombia ants are uh, one of the yeah. Well, I don't know if they're the most well-known snake, but they are definitely very popular. It's mm-hmm. it's n- not uncommon at all, oh. and uh, so I I don't I think these are uh, uh, I think you you want them. Okay, yeah. Well, this is, is these aren't all, all like really horrible snacks. They're kind of local delicacies, shall we say? Exactly. Yeah. But uh, how did Mr. Abel do? I don't think he did very well. No, did he? no. no. I I I I. I you know, Abel, I like you, but you are uh, actually the worst on the list. I, I know. Uh, with uh, three points. Ooh, three. That's harsh. that's that's. Actually, I actually thought that you only got one, but uh, <laughs> Abel. No, th- yeah, I know you, you he told had to me before. Dog eggs. He had the end eggs, and uh, he had uh, the dried wild fish with which I would say they definitely also get okay, in Norway. Well, uh, Abel, thanks for playing. To, uh, I know you told me before the show that you didn't like quizzes, but thanks for playing. And, of course, uh, of course. Just to finish off, real pleasure talking to you, man. Yep. Really yeah. Really good. So, uh, yeah. We hopefully see you again soon and we can actually eat some of your snacks. And just to finish off, thanks to you, Bass. Another really good show. Uh, thanks for listening. Tune in next time. Thanks. Ciao. Thanks for listening to another episode of Radio Oedipus. And a special thanks to Abel and Bass. Check out the Funk Kilder Instagram. Their snacks are available all around Amsterdam. I know they have some great home packages available at the moment as well. Like I said at the beginning of the show, you can now find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most major platforms. You know the drill. Help spread the good word by liking and subscribing. Keep up to date with all the shows by heading to our website, oodypus.com forward slash radio. The music on today's show was written and composed by Ola I Music. And tune in next week for more explorations into the culture of beer.